When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. I just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you to all of you who are listening to this. And lately we have gotten a few, quite a few new followers um, on this podcast. And so for those of you who are new here, I just want to tell you thank you as well for joining. And I hope that you can go back and listen to some of the previous episodes that we have recorded. Um, Like I have said before, this this podcast is part education, part entertainment, but it's mostly just to help preserve this way of life and to keep the stories alive from a lot of those old timers or um, really handy people who are still involved in the industry. So I hope that you enjoy. Um, You can find more information about us on our Instagram page. It's at cowboystories underscore podcast Or if you have any questions, suggestions, or recommendations, you can email me at cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, let's dive right into today's episode. Today, I had the opportunity to interview Boyd Briggs. He is 81 years old, and he currently lives in Lima, Montana. And I'm excited for you all to hear his story. So much for agreeing to visit with me. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm happy to do it, Lindsay. Uh, my name is Boyd Briggs. I live in Lima, Montana. I went to school here from the time I was in the third grade uh, till I was a junior, and then I went to Utah to school. But uh, I I was born in Wyoming. I was born in Rock Springs, Wyoming, and. We had a ranch at McKinnon, Wyoming, and uh, my dad was my hero when I was growing up, and he gave me a little black horse as soon as I was big enough to climb up on the fence and climb onto him. And I spent, until I got married, I spent a lot of time with my dad. Uh, we moved to Montana when I was uh, nine, I guess, but... Uh, uh being with my dad in Wyoming, I I went with him and I learned a lot from all the old timers around there. We went to all the brandings and the roundups and whatever. And uh, I just, uh, that was that was my life. And I, I really enjoyed it. I still have part of Wyoming in my heart because I, I really spend a lot of time there going around to the different ranchers and families and that and uh, 
Well, anyway, I moved to Montana when I was uh, nine. My, my folks moved to Montana and bought a ranch at Dell, Montana. And uh, so I I grew up on that ranch and I raised my family there. Thank goodness. I It was a wonderful way to raise a family. And uh, I... I I married my wife in 1960. She was the most beautiful, pure girl I'd ever met. And she was that way till the day she died. We raised uh, five children. We had uh, three boys and two daughters. And uh, the boys and the girls both worked with me on the ranch. They rode a lot. We we trailed a lot of cattle in those days, and they were always with me on the trail. And they we went to brandings. We we worked with the neighbors. They we traded work with the neighbors. We branded and worked cattle with them, and uh, we just seemed like we were always always working cattle and then we <laughs> of course we had to do the haying and we'd put up put up the hay in the summertime with a beaver slide we we used the beaver slide for our wild hay and uh, we baled our alfalfa but we'd spend all summer putting up hay and then spend all winter pitching it out to the cows. We had a lot of cows. We we ran 4,200 mother cows on the ranch. Wow. So, it, I don't I don't know what a beaver slide is. I'm kind of naive about that. Okay. Is so, it a, can you explain what that is to me? Uh, yeah, I, I'll try to. It's made out of uh, timbers, and it has two long poles that go at an angle up. And then it has a, a board front, and you put the hay on a fork, and there's pulleys up on the top of the beaver slide and cables going down to a hoist that wraps the cables up, and it pulls the fork up, and it drops the hay through a hole up top, and and it, uh, it had wings and a backstop on it, and it would just make a square stack of wild hay and uh, and we'd round the top of it off uh, so that the moisture wouldn't get into it uh, but anyway it was a pretty slick deal and it was my favorite way of preserving hay I think hay kept a lot better in those stacks than they do in bales and that yeah. and, and then in the in the winter time, we would load the wagons and and pitch it off to the cattle, you know, and feed the cattle that way. And uh, I like to work with horses. I've worked with draft horses all my life. And uh, I, after I was married, I ran a ranch, a ranch up on Medicine Lodge, and I always fed with the team. I'd get up in the morning and go out and harness my team and milk the cow. And when I come in, Diane would have breakfast ready. And then I would <laughs> go out and hook up to the sleigh or the wagon and and feed feed the cows. And 
come in at noon and then and have a nice dinner ready and after lunch we had watched Art Linkletter. You probably don't remember Art Linkletter. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that was a television show and he was a, he was a character and he used to say kids say the darnest things and he'd have little kids on the show and he'd question them and then they would they would tell him funny stories about their family and one thing or another. And <laughs> anyway, uh, I, uh, my favorite thing to do my whole life has been to ranch. I love horses. I love, I love ranching. But uh, in 1979, my family sold the family ranch, and uh, my wife and I bought some cows. And it was in '80, and it was in the '80s we. It was a hard time to make a living, and uh, so I, I, we went broke, and uh, I went to work on construction, and then I kind of did various jobs. From then on out, I, I worked in a gold mine for twelve years, and as an operator on for two years, and then I worked in the purchasing department for uh, tw- uh, ten years. Did you always have like a little bunch of cows through that time or you were you didn't have any through that? No, I didn't. When I sold my cows then I didn't have any more cows, but I had horses. Yeah. And my son, my one son, he runs cows. He's got cows. And okay. my my youngest son, he manages the Boone and Crockett Club ranch up at the Puyer, Montana. It's up Right up where Glacier Park and the Bob Marshall Wilderness area come to comes together. Okay. And, and he he and his family they run cattle up there, and I I helped him quite a bit over the years. Let's see. Then I I left the gold mine. I retired from the gold mine, and I uh, managed a guest ranch for my other son. Diane and I managed that guest ranch for our son Bill, and it's up in the mountains, a beautiful place, and we really enjoyed that. That was a, a wonderful time in our lives, and uh, we had about 20 head of dude horses that we had to take care of, and a big team. I had a big team of horses that I'd take people for rides on a, a wagon that I'd built, and uh, we'd take... Uh, Pack people into the lakes fishing and one thing another, and uh, and then I'd take people on historical trips. We had some wonderful clients. They just every one of them was just wonderful. And then uh, we left there and we went on a mission to Nauvoo for our church for two years or eighteen months. I'm sorry. And while we were back there, my wife served in the sites. And I drove horses. And, uh, anyway, we we kept a, hor- a team of horses uh, harnessed in the winter time, and we had a big big bobsleigh that we could take people for a tour on, and we'd wrap them up in quilts and and uh, give them about a forty five minute tour of Nauvoo. And, uh, That's cool. But uh, then. Uh, Let's see, where did I leave off at? Uh, we came back off the mission, and we, uh, before, well, before we went 
to Nauvoo. We we had bought a home in Dillon, Montana, and so we come back to our home in Dillon, and uh, there's a farm store there called Rocky Mountain Supply, and I worked in it for three and a half years, and then we moved over to White Sulphur Springs, where our daughter and son-in-law moved to, and I was a rural mail carrier for 10 years over there. And it was a good duty. I really enjoyed that because I was out taking uh, mail to the ranchers, you know, and uh, got acquainted with a lot of the people over there. And I, I uh, really enjoyed it. But then uh, my daughter and son-in-law moved back to Lima, and uh, my other son was living here. And Everybody left White Sulphur, so I moved over here, and I've been here for the last, since uh, oh, November of 2019. Okay. I really enjoy it. I I know a lot of the people, you know, and some of these people, I've known them for all my life, and so it's kind of fun to get, get back and renew acquaintances. And, uh, yeah. But I would still ride, but I've had both my knees replaced, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I'm having a hard time getting on a horse. I, my son branded a year ago, and he and my grandson, they lifted me up on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> I rode for a couple hours, and I really enjoyed it. I, it my knees didn't hurt for the first time for many years. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you got to do that. I've had my shoulder replaced and had both my hands operated on, so I'm kind of a bionic man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, I'm pretty much retired. I'm just a full-time grandpa. I enjoy helping people around town here. Whenever there's something to do, I like to pitch in and give them a hand. Yeah. That's about the size of it. But uh, growing up on the ranch uh, at Dell, from the time I was a small boy, we moved there when I was nine, and uh, we were still uh, doing everything with horses, teams, you know, in the hay field and that. So I've seen a lot of interesting things. We had a lot of hired men. We had a we had a big cookhouse that uh, would handle about 40 people, and uh, we always kept a cook there. And if uh, somebody was in the yard when the bell rang, they were expected to come on, come in and eat. Mm. And the, and the cook had to compensate for it. Now you go into somebody's place at noon, and they don't even invite you in for lunch. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, do you ranch down there now, or are you a rancher? My parents are, and we, my husband and I help them every chance we get. Oh, that's good. That's that's nice. So do you work your cattle a horseback? Yeah. Yep. Yes. That's the only way to, the only way to handle cattle is a horseback. Yeah. They're I'm, so much more quiet and calm. And, and yeah. I was talking to my dad the other day just 
visiting with him about when we were younger and when he first started taking us with him horseback and and stuff and some of the experiences that we could remember and he said something that he remembers is when we first started Brandon calves and he first started teaching us how to rope Um, he said he remembers just standing there thinking man I don't know if we're ever going to get done today if I keep letting these kids rope. <laughs> like, he said, there were times when in the back of my mind, I was like, this would go so much faster if we just bought a calf table. But I'm so grateful that he didn't buy a calf table and that we were able to just learn how to rope them and handle them and do all of that from a horse. I think it's a neat tradition to, to keep going. Oh, I definitely do. And those calf tables are a curse. Yeah. I honestly don't even know what one looks like. I've just heard of them. (laughs) I've seen them. We we never use a calf table on the ranch. You know, and I used to watch my kids as I was teaching them how to ride and rope and one thing and another, and I'd think, gosh, they're never going to learn. And then all of a sudden, it was just like they were my ride arm. They were right there, you know. Yeah. And, And they all come to it really really quick and uh, they were a big help we used to trail 60 miles sometimes to the summer range and uh, they all liked to help and I had neighbor kids that come along and help me and uh, one thing I've learned about trailing cattle you you start before daylight and uh, you try to be where you're gonna spend the rest of the day at 10 o'clock in the morning because if you if you try and move cattle after that, they don't move worth <laughs> yeah. <for> the darn. <laughs> I've trailed a lot of cattle in my life. And, you know, and earlier we used to, we wouldn't get started so early. We'd get started pretty early, you know. But uh, we found out that if you start just before daylight, it sure works a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh So does your dad work any teams? Does he have any teams of horses? He doesn't. He's always been really fascinated by them, but he doesn't have any. So one of his friends in high school who lived up um, in the Payson area, his dad had a team of horses. And so he had him come down a couple of times and they went out and used them to clean one of the ponds on the desert permit. Oh yes, yeah, just because you can't get, you can't really get to it any other way. So they, his friend came down and brought his dad's team, and they went and cleaned that pond with the team. Oh, the so, probably with a scraper, a slip scraper. I think so. Yeah, that's what he yeah, said. you bet. Yeah. And he's, I don't know, he's always been fascinated by them, but he, he's never owned one. Uh huh. Well, they're they're enjoyable. I. I enjoyed mine. I always had a team, even after I sold my cows and left the ranch. I always had a team. I always had a team and a milk cow. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, but uh, I uh, I sold my horses and everything when I went on the mission uh, from the mission, and so I haven't had a team since. I drive. I got a friend that's got teams, and I drive them for him. You said something about um, a wagon that you made. Have you made a lot of wagons? I haven't made a lot of wagons. I've made some. I've I've made some racks, you know, but I I made a wagon. I had an old pickup 
And my wife and I had always wanted to go on a wagon train, and I wanted her to be comfortable on that. And so I stripped down an old pickup that I had that had shocks and brakes and springs, and I built a wagon on it, and it turned out pretty good. That's cool. And yeah, and it uh, it had a fifth wheel under it. My son fixed the front end so you could turn sharp with it, you know. And, yeah. And we we enjoyed that wagon, but we never got to go on a wagon trip. We always had too much going on, too much, too busy. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, t- I can tell you a little story about a guy that I know down in Idaho that he had a homemade wagon the other day and it was made on an old car chassis and he got off to open a gate or close a gate i don't remember which and he had the lines wrapped around his hand and the team ran away and oh, got no. got him in underneath the wagon and drug him out through the sagebrush and a long ways and they had a hard time finding him and uh, gosh he really got busted up, but broke his arm in a couple of places and broke both legs and his back. And, but he's uh, he's getting better. They got him in the hospital in Idaho Falls. And he's, uh, but that's that that can happen real easy with workhorses. And I always told everybody you never want to take anything for granted with workhorses because they will run away if they if something mm-hmm. happens. You know, most of them won't. Uh, if they're well trained, if they never have an opportunity to run, they never really want to. But if they've ever run away once, you can never trust them. Hey. Gosh. Yeah, they're uh, they might do it again sometime. <laughs> what kind of horses did you like to use for the teams? Well, I preferred Perchins because they were up on the bits and they. Uh, uh if you're you know if you were haying or doing something that you wanted uh you needed to get the job done i like perchins but i had belgians and uh we had all kinds of horses in nauvoo and uh we had some wonderful teams of belgians in nauvoo and, but uh I like them all. They're they're all good. We did raise uh, on our ranch. When we had the ranch, we raised Clydesdales. We had a big Clydesdale stud that we used in, on grade mares, and we had some real good teams and horses. And Do you mind if we back up just a little bit? Um, I don't mind I'm, a bit. I'm just curious. So you said your family um, started out in Montana. And then you said they, something. They started out in Wyoming. Oh, Wyoming. Yeah. Well, my, you know, my dad and his, my grandfather had four boys. And uh, they started out in Wyoming. And I was born out there and I was there till I was nine years old. Okay. And then my grandfather bought a ranch in Montana, Del Montana. Okay. And, uh, uh, and we... We lived there. We had that ranch in Montana for 30 years. We we had it till uh, 1979, and they they sold it. I had an uncle that was a my oldest uncle was a, a wheeler and a dealer, and he got his real estate license and he wanted to sell the ranch. And 
we should have took him out and tarred and feathered him. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he got the ranch sold. <laughs> Dang, that's too bad. And then I, my, I and my family, we ranched for another four years. Or, well, I worked for the people that bought our ranch for two years. And, yeah. And then, then I, I and my family uh, ran some cows for four years before we sold them. So was that um, the place in Wyoming? Was that the first place that you ever were involved in this kind of lifestyle, like around cattle and horses? Yes, I was born there. Uh, we had a ranch at McKinnon, Wyoming, and and I was born there. And so from the time I could follow my dad out of the house, I was with him. And uh, I helped a lot. I used to drive the team on the beaver slide out there to pull the hay up. And uh, we... Uh, we ran our cows down on the Wyoming, or down on the Green River Desert, and uh, it was all the ranchers from out up, out in that area would uh, turn their cows loose out on the desert, and then in the fall they'd send each ranch would send somebody down there, and they'd have a big roundup, and they'd head them back up to the McKenna and okay. Bone Tree. Did you ever get sent down there by yourself to help with that? No, my dad always did that. That was his uh, job on the ranch. and He'd go down there sometimes. He'd be gone for two or three months at a time. Wow. And, uh, they used to camp out down there. And they'd just start pushing the cattle uh south and to, to, towards the ranches and, and uh they they had pretty most of them would just drift off towards their home home ranch and we used to have to sort some of them but not very many so you you said that you got the opportunity to be around a lot of the old timers through there who were some of the people that you I looked did. up to well, uh, Dad's friends, uh, the Gambles and the Wadsworths, and uh, they were the main ones. They were cattle people, you know. They had ranches right around there, and they were the really the main ones that we. But there was ranchers from Lone Tree that uh, I liked, and they, uh, I don't remember the names of some of them, but. <laughs> the Gambles and the Wadsworths was the main one. They were closest to our ranch. And they were some of the ones that run cattle down on the desert. Do you mind telling telling us a little bit about the terrain that you ran on, just the operation that your that your dad had? You mean in Wyoming? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, we were right at the foot of the Uena Mountains. Uh, uh, our ranch was at, it was at McKinnon, Wyoming. If you've ever been out in that country, and uh, and then at the, to the north of us was pretty much desert country. It was down along the Green River, and it was uh, pretty much desert country. But uh, the Uinta Mountains were well. You know about the Uinta Mountains. And, 
Yeah, um, I've heard about them. I've never been yeah, on them or around them. But. They're beautiful. And some of our cattle ran up in the mountains uh, south of our ranch, but most of them went down on the desert. And uh, it was, you know, the, it was pretty dry out there, but they managed to do pretty well out there most years and uh, come in with pretty good calves. That. We uh, we helped each other brand. We helped uh, each the ranchers out there all got together at branding time and helped each other, you know. And uh, we did the same thing when we come to Montana. We had ranchers on both sides of us, and we had a crew that when one or the other ranches was branding, we'd all get together and everybody knew their own job, and we'd uh, pretty much get the job done. We we branded a lot of cattle, and a lot of calves in the spring. How many calves do you think you branded total in the spring? Uh, I wish I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing we usually ran about uh, 3,600. And, uh, of course, all of them didn't have a calf, you know. Yeah. Uh, we'd lose some calves and some of the cattle wouldn't calve, but uh, around uh, 3,200 head of calves, and then our neighbors they had about a thousand, and uh, the neighbors to the to the south of us he had about 500, and so there's you know uh, close to what 4,000 head that we ran. That's awesome. I bet that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we enjoyed it. Thinking about it, we uh, we drug her calves. We all drug her calves to the fire, and uh, we'd take turns roping because everybody kind of liked to rope, you know. And so we would rope for a while, and then we'd get off and give our horse to somebody else, or they'd get on their horse and they'd rope, and we uh, traded off quite a bit and if we had somebody came that wanted to rope all the time and wouldn't get off their horse they never got invited back to the branding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you gotta take your turn on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> just just about a couple of weeks ago I was up at my son's place and his neighbor was branding up there and they had uh, his neighbors has two kids, a boy and a girl, and uh, Mike has some kids that like to rope, and so they were roping the calves, and adults were <laughs> branding them, taking care of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they were letting the kids rope. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. In your opinion, do you think that Cowboys are as handy today as they were back in the day. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely do. Uh, my son, he he's a very good horse trainer, and he he puts in long hours on that ranch. They ride a lot of all day long. Sometimes, you know, some days they ride all day long, and. Uh, He's he's a very good 
hand with cattle and ranching, and he can build fence, or he can irrigate, or he can do whatever, you know. And and that's uh, a good hand will be able to do it all, you know. A lot of a lot of cowboys think that if it can't be done a horseback, it can't be done. But uh, one of the best hands we had on our ranch he could do it all and he was a very good irrigator and he was a a good farmer he could farm if he needed to he didn't like to (laughs) but but uh and and you know he he could just do anything that needed to be done on the ranch he'd build fence or irrigate and uh so when you have a ranch, you have to do it all. You can't just do it all a horseback either. <laughs> yeah. So, and and I've known we've got some. There's some good, good cowboys, good hands in this country. Really good. Uh, my grandson's growing up to be one, and well, all of my sons have been good hands. And uh, I've known some women that were really good. You know, I had. A, a couple of lady friends that were really good hands a horseback and uh, and, uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, people like that (laughs) yeah did your wife grow up in the same kind of lifestyle that you did she grew up she grew up on a ranch and uh, and but then when we got married and was raising a family. She wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And she had helped me, you know, like if we were branding a long ways from the ranch, she would bring a full-course mail out for us. And uh, she was always right there. Whatever I needed, she was she was there. And she was a wonderful mother and a, and a wonderful homemaker. And uh, she she loved the ranch life uh she wasn't much to ride horses she didn't ride much but uh, she would get on a horse and go up and help my son when he was <laughs> needing a cook in the outfit and camp so <laughs> <laughs> yeah but she was a great lady oh man you can tell by the way you talk about her that you really loved her I really did. I, I really did. I she I had a lot of respect for her. And I thank the Lord every day for the influence that she had on our children and grandchildren. She was a really good grandma. <laughs> our grandkids really loved her. And, uh, yeah. Been beautiful this spring. We it was really dry, and then all of a sudden we got rain, and then lots of it. Uh, the people here in the community uh, from both churches were fasting and praying for rain, moisture, and when it came, it really came. I was going to ask uh, if you were part of those floods. Did any of those? No, no, were any of that? We're a long ways from the floods. We're that was on the Yellowstone River. Okay. But it was terrible. I talked to my friend over in Billings this morning, and uh, it affected him and his friends. And his nephew lived at Red Lodge, and 
he said it washed away a lot of homes in Red Lodge and and you know damaged a lot of homes and yeah that was really a serious thing he said it washed big cottonwood trees like 24 inches in diameter out onto his fields gosh uh, well sounds like you guys got the best the best end of that deal you got the rain but not all the floods we did we got some really good rain and uh but it was so dry uh, before those rains come that they had a river shut off. They they had the Lima Dam shut down because they were afraid they weren't going to have enough water to irrigate with. And so they had the dam shut right off. The river was dry where it went down through my son's place. And it, it was kind of serious for a while there. He had to haul water to his livestock. Hmm. And now is it running again? They got it running again. Yeah, they opened up the dam. Uh, When people started irrigating, uh, they opened up the dam. And so it's. But I imagine it killed a lot of fish. I imagine there was a lot of fish died. Yeah. I. uh, We have a. We have two dams. We have the Lima Dam, which is up in the Centennial Valley. And it's on the very most upper headwaters of the Missouri River. Uh, there's a spring up on the Idaho-Montana border on the Continental Divide that uh, uh, it's a tiny little spring. It's called Hell Roaring. And then it comes down out of those mountains and then the other tributaries add to it and they have what they call the Lima Dam. It's a, a dam where they store irrigation water. And then about uh, 30 miles north of that, there's another dam called the, called the Clark Canyon Reservoir. And they built that to irrigate a lot of uh, dry farming area out north of Dillon. And uh, it uh, it's really low this year. And, uh, I'm just curious what your advice would be to the future generations who who are looking to either get involved in this lifestyle or who are continuing to be involved in this lifestyle? Well, you know, they pretty much have to grow up in it. They pretty much have to be born into it. You know, I mean, to uh, it's it's very difficult for people that come from the city and want to be ranchers. Uh, Most of the ranchers that I know have grown up in it. And it's been passed down through the family. And it was kind of interesting. Our neighbor uh, sold a ranch to some some guys, I don't know where they were from, but they come out here and they wanted so much to look like the authentic, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But you could pick them out for a mile away. (laughs) It was funny. I went to one of their Brandons, you know, and it was just, uh, it was kind of funny. But uh, uh, I would encourage young people to, if they wanted that kind of a lifestyle, 
to study agriculture in school. You know, the high schools, they have the FFA program. That's a wonderful program, and that would be a big help. And uh, and then in college to study agriculture, we've got to have ranchers and uh, uh, farmers. And so that would be my advice to them. To them. I like that. Uh, I know there's there's a lot of young people now that have grown up on these ranches, and that's what they love to do. And and they're good at it, you know. Uh, I have grandkids that are really good at it, and uh, because it's been their lifestyle from the time they were born, you know, their parents did it. Uh, we've had people come out from the city and try and learn to ride horses and do that kind of stuff, and it just. <laughs> I had cousins on the ranch and. And they thought they would like to do it, but when they had to get out there at four o'clock in the morning and ride till ten o'clock at night, it, <laughs> it, it didn't last very long with them. They, they decided yeah. they'd rather have their toys. And <laughs> they like motorcycles and airplanes and things like that. But uh, <laughs> my family, my kids, all grew up on a horse. And, uh, they loved it, and they still love it, and they still do it. And uh, I'm getting too old, but uh, I still like to ride if I can get somebody to help me on one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you think it is about this kind of lifestyle that that keeps people interested? Well, uh, they have to love it. They ha- Like I say, they have to grow up with it. They have to grow up loving it, you know. Uh, they can't, uh, like my cousins, you know, they tried it, but they, they weren't willing to put forth the effort that you have to put forth. Uh, ranching isn't an easy occupation. And, uh, I guess all I could say is you have to like it in order to stay with it. And, uh, yeah. When you look back um, through your life, do any memories in particular stand out um, to you about either working cows with your kids or your family? Or well, I I grew up like I say, going with my dad from the time I was big enough to follow him out of the house, and you know when he was out there feeding cows at. 20 below zero, he'd build me a fire there by the haystack and, and I'd warm up and then I'd drive the team for him while he fed. And uh, I just, I was with him all the time until I got into school and uh, I couldn't wait to get home and change my clothes and go out and find him and be with him. We had sheep when we first bought the ranch in Montana. We ran 10,000 head of sheep. And uh, so I liked to help in the lambing, and I I just, I guess I was that kind of a kid, but uh, all my cousins, I had like 15 cousins, and it just wasn't their cup of tea, whether they come along too late or 
but I was the oldest one, and I grew up working with the family, you know, and uh, so I, that's that's why I really enjoyed it. And then my kids, they they just kind of followed in my footsteps, and they wanted to be with me when we were cowboying and paying and doing things like that. So they they grew up doing it, and uh, some of them are still doing it. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine feeding with with a team of horses in twenty degrees below weather. <laughs> talk about talk about that for a minute, would you? Yeah, well those cattle had to be fed, you know. And so you just got out and done it. And a lot of times those horses would just be white all over, you know, from frost. And you tried to dress for it, but it it just had to be done. And then uh, later on 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 our home ranch, uh, they had equipment to do it. You know, we we used pickups and wagons, and uh, we had a big thing we called the monster, and it would pitch the hay off like a backhoe. (laughs) We'd load it. with the loose hay, and then you'd, it had a grapple fork on it, and you'd just pick the hay up out of the basket and scatter it to the cows. And, mm-hmm. and, and it, it had a heater in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was a good way to do it. And, uh, do very uh, many people around there um, still feed that way, or have they moved to equipment with heaters? Very few. Very few. There's... Uh, I know of one family in the Big Hole uh, Valley that uh, still puts their hay up with a beaver slide, uh, but very few people in our area, uh, in the Red Rock Valley here where I live, nobody uses a beaver slide anymore, and they they put it up with round bales or big square bales, and and they have equipment to do it, you know, and uh, yeah. It used to be very labor-intensive. You had maybe 20, 25 guys in the hayfield. Now two or three guys can do do that much, you know, and they've got these machines that are TPS. You don't even have to steer them. You just (laughs) start them down the row, and then they steer themselves, and it's changed quite a bit. Do you think it's changed for the better or the worse? Well, <laughs> it depends on who you who you ask. Uh, I think it's changed for the worse because <laughs> I'm an old timer. Uh, I I like the old time ways, you know. Yeah. But uh, I guess it's for the better because you can't get the help on these ranches that we used to be able to get. You know, people. People would come into Dillon on the train, these hired uh, or hobos and one thing or another, but they could always run a piece of machinery or drive horses or something, you know. And so you could get lots of help, but nowadays it's hard to find anybody that wants to work. And uh, so it's just uh, kind of the way it is. There, we'd go into Dillon and there'd be 
maybe 20, 25, 30 guys sitting around on the lawn there by the museum that had gotten off the train. And uh, they just ride the freight, you know. And they would come in with their bedrolls and that, and they'd work in the hay fields uh, in the summertime. And you'd walk out amongst them and ask them if there's somebody that could run a mowing machine or don't break <laughs> or whatever. And they'd, they'd, and whoever could was hired. Pardon? And whoever could run it was hired. Yes, you'd you'd, <laughs> you'd take about maybe you'd take five guys out and bring two back <laughs> or three <laughs> or three. <laughs> yeah, but most of those guys could really do something, you know. They and they knew how to work and and they also knew how to drink because as soon as they got a day off, they'd go to town and get to drinking, and then you had to get them sobered up and back on the job. (laughs) Yeah. It was interesting here in Lima, where I'm at right now, there was a big store, a big two-story store, and it it was like a Walmart. It had clothes and everything you needed, you know, groceries and candy and whatever. And so these guys had come in off of these ranches and the first thing they'd do is go to the store and cash their check, and they'd buy clothes and what whatever they needed, and then they'd go over there across the street was the Pete Hotel, and it had a barber shop in it. And uh, in the back, it had a big bathtub, and so they would get a haircut, and then they'd go back there and take a bath, and uh, they'd put on their clean clothes and leave their dirty clothes for the laundry. The laundry used to pick up here in Lima. And and then they would, (laughs) they'd never leave that building. They'd had a bar and a cafe in it, (laughs) rooms upstairs, and they'd never leave that building until they'd spent all their money. (laughs) (laughs) And then then you'd pick them up and take them back out to work. And (laughs) And do it all over again the next time. Start all over again. Some of those guys that have two or three thousand dollars coming, and they would blow it in a week's time. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of sad, but they were single and they didn't have any family, you know, to worry about. But you know, when I was a kid, uh, we didn't need a lot. We need didn't need to buy a lot. We had a garden and a milk cow and chickens and pigs. And my dad liked to hunt, so we always had wild game to eat. And uh, we hardly ever bought anything from town because uh, uh, we had a milk cow and uh, I can't well, flour. I guess we bought flour and sugar and a few things like that. But we we would only go to town about. Uh, I only got to go to town about once a year when I was a kid. Really? And, yeah, sometimes my folks would go in uh, more than that. That's I, pretty uh, cool that you could be that self-sufficient. Yes, we were. And, uh, you know, I, I forgot to tell you, uh, when I was a small boy, or at least when we lived in Wyoming, uh, we didn't have electricity or running water. They didn't have REA out there in those days. 
And uh, so, you know, we just use water right out of the creek. And uh, my mother, uh, she would boil clothes on the stove. We had an old cook stove in a cabin there by the house. And uh, so, and we, but uh, we were pretty self-sufficient. She, uh, we had a, she had a gasoline powered washing machine and uh, she she washed the clothes in and uh, we had one light bulb up in the ceiling and it was it was pretty primitive <laughs> yeah we had a we had a cellar that we uh, stored stuff in for the winter it, stuff wouldn't freeze in there and it would stay cool in the summertime. We had an ice house, so we stored ice in the in the winter time, and and then we had a we had an ice box sit out on the porch. And my dad would get up in the morning, and he'd put a block of ice in that ice box, and uh, that kept the milk and eggs and stuff cold. And uh, it's it's a completely different life than what everybody's comfortable with these days. Oh, oh, a completely different life, yeah. I've been reading a book about the old, it's called something about the olden days, you know, the good old days or something. And it brought back so many memories, you know, for me. There was no no indoor bathrooms. It was uh, outdoor toilets and if you wanted a bath, you pulled the old tin tub in the middle of the floor and you run some warm water in it. <laughs> they bathed the babies first. <laughs> and the adults, they had to have their bath last. So, <laughs> yeah. You can't even comprehend, really. You can try uh, to, but you don't really get it unless you lived it, right? That's right. That's exactly right. You know, I try to tell my grandkids about it, and they can't believe it. They don't. They have all the modern conveniences. But uh, my my grandkids grew up learning how to work. They their parents all uh, teach them to work. You know, and they have nice stuff, but they work for it. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, you have a good night. Okay. Thanks. You too. You. You betcha. Goodbye. And you All call right. me anytime. You can right. call me anytime. Goodbye. All right. Yeah. Bye. Goodbye. That concludes my podcast with Boyd Briggs. Thanks for listening. And to put a face behind the name, you can head over to our Instagram page at Cowboy Stories underscore podcast. See you in two weeks. Thank you.